What's up? This is Matt Dietz, and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I get to sit down and talk with smart, creative, and energetic entrepreneurs who are in the middle of their story. I know that there is no playbook out there for entrepreneurs, and it is a tough gig. So I want to sit down with people who have figured it out and are in the middle of their learning process, and I want to tap into their genius and have them share what they know. And so that's what this show is all about. Today on the show, I have my friend Jason Parra. Jason, this is a return visit for him. He is the founder and owner of The Lemon Tree, which is a restaurant right here in Boise. And since we have chatted, I think it's been at least three years since our first episode, he has done a lot. And so I love when I see entrepreneurs who you know start out successfully in one space and then they learn how to grow. Because growth is hard. Scaling is very hard. And people that do it have their things lined up. They're very thoughtful, very systematic. And so I brought Jason in. He's opened up a couple of other restaurants. He had a situation where he was in essentially like kind of a restaurant co-op and, and, and took a gamble on that. And we talk about how that worked and how he got involved with that. And uh, he still has you know growth on the mind. So it's really exciting. Jason does an incredible job. He's one of the most likable people that I've met. His attitude is always positive, positive, positive. We talk about what it was like through the pandemic. Pandemic, uh, which was a tough time for all business owners, especially in the restaurant business. And this is where we could just see, you know, creativity come out and, you know, how do you survive something like that? And so uh, I really had a wonderful conversation. Jason, thank you so much for coming on again. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you telling our story. And uh, let's just, let's get into it. All right, so I am joined today with Jason Para. Yes. Who owns uh, The Lemon Tree, among other things. Jason was a guest on the show. We just looked it up back uh, February 2019, so it's been three and a half years, and a lot has happened in the last three and a half years. So you had been open for a year. Almost a year. When we first chatted, and since then... What, what have you done in the last uh, three and a half years? Well, I don't even know where to start. Well, we could start with we survived COVID. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, let's get let's dive right, right. into the deep end, right? So Jeez. COVID was, uh, your industry was hit, I think, probably the hardest. Yes. You know, yeah. so um, I want to uh, talk about what that was like. I remember it being in March. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was probably the middle of April when the city just shut everything down technically it was really in march uh we had our first uh covid case uh it was i believe it might have been somewhere around the 18th or the 19th of march and the only reason i remember that it literally was my birthday oh happy birthday Uh, so no it was my birthday so it was march 18th the mayor had just come on the you know tv and said that we were going to shut down yeah so our first case was that friday and i believe it was like a monday or tuesday of uh, 2020 and uh they announced that they were going to shut down so it was my birthday Uh it was my birthday you got a day off i remember this because my wife had come in and said yep the mayor's going to make this announcement we shut down we closed the doors and Uh i mean nobody was coming in anyway Uh, at that point everyone was kind of figuring out what they were going to do so anyhow we sat there as a team it was about five of us listened to the the um news thing and 
And then uh, my wife, I told my wife, I'm like, well, I guess that's it. We'll figure it out. And she's like, no, it's your birthday. We're going to go do something. <laughs> so we literally went to a restaurant around the corner oh my God. and had a couple of drinks. Oh my God. That was, and that it was funny. We, the, the restaurant we were at, uh, they, we were the last customers. They were shutting down too. Yeah. They were like, Hey, you guys are last ones. We're going to shut down after last this. call last, for real, for real. And it was really last call. Yeah. And we, uh, I think it was like five o'clock in the afternoon. We were done by six and that wow. was out. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that first month? Like, I mean, I doing what I do owning an insurance industry, we kind of specialize in restaurants. So I have a, I have a lot of restaurants and my phone was, was, you know, was being uh, was hot. You know, there were a lot of people calling. They're like, "Dates, is there any coverage for stuff like this?" And like, there's a loss of use coverage that is on a policy like yours. And so we had to do some digging to see if this was going to pay for any lost mm-hmm. income. And you know, a virus is is like it's a named exclusion on a possible. So no, there wasn't any help there. But um, so but we were all worried. And this there there were some ca- there were some casualties of this mm-hmm. of this time. I have some restaurants that never recovered and, yeah. went, and went out of business. Um, so what was the time like for you? Was it panic? Was it, all right, take a deep breath. We're going to figure this out. You know, what was your mindset going into that? Well, it it was panic. It was fear, panic. Uh, I mean, if it's some, it's the unknown, right? So we don't know how, we didn't know how long it was going to last. I mean, we're still in it, right? Technically. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. 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 But not, you know, the at the height of it, uh, when everything first happened, uh, you know, it was just the unknown, uh, a lot of fear. I remember calling my dad as a matter of fact, and we were really excited because we were talking about opening up, uh, new locations at that point. Right. Um, so we were just, we were on the path of really just turning that corner finally in 2020. We had worked really hard and worked through a lot of adversities and for the first two yeah. years and literally 2020 we were like super excited like yeah. numbers were got it lined or, up or, or, or up the roof as far as uh you know january february concerned march was we were looking great and 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 uh so i remember anyhow i remember calling my dad and telling him i don't know if i i want to laugh or if i want to cry right, right now because i i don't know what we're gonna do yeah. i have to lay everyone off now we we have i mean literally we were down something like 75 percent uh uh, overnight you Uh, know and and then of course the shutdown you can't have anyone dine in and it was just to goes and all that stuff so yeah there was a lot of fear yeah uh, a lot of fear of the unknown and uh and panic there was definitely panic for sure yeah um and you know you you feel like you're gonna lose everything yeah you know and that and it and for some people they did lose everything Mm -hmm. you know that was the effect of it some some businesses in your industry pivoted really quickly and you uh, are part of that group and I remember watching and talking with you and um, trying to figure out like what you're going to do to survive and how we're going to keep this open and you guys obviously survived but Mm -hmm. there were some uh, there were some real lessons I'm sure that came out of that period of time but I mean I know you went did you go to delivery and drop off or both or like, so what was your, like, how did your business plan change? Like it changed, it had to change overnight, right? Well, yes and no. So we, we were kind of in a, in a very fortunate position. And so part of our business model from the, from the get go was not only, uh, you know, having people dine in and all that stuff to goes, but it was also technology. So Mm -hmm. we already had the Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, Postmates. We literally had them all already integrated and, they were a small portion of our sales. What percentage would you say I before? I would say at that point, it was probably about 
Mm, I would say 15, 20% okay. maybe, yeah. you know, it was, it was a good chunk of change, but it wasn't what it is today. Yeah. You know, it's a bigger chunk. And then especially obviously when, uh, COVID hit and we had to do the shutdown, that's all we could rely on was people coming in to order, but they couldn't dine in. They'd have to take it to go or the pickup orders, curbside right. service and all that stuff. The one thing that did change was we used to, uh, let technology take care of all of our to go stuff and yeah. not worry about phone orders and all that stuff. Well, we started answering the phone. Sure. <laughs> we yeah. Had to, yeah. Right. People wanted uh, curbside service and all that stuff. And um, rightfully so. And luckily, we do have a loading zone. Uh, we're very fortunate with where our original location is on 10th. Yeah, Atlanta. it's really good. And so that, you know, having the technology already in place, switching over to answering phones, taking phone orders, all that stuff. I guess that's kind of a small pivot we did as far as taking phone orders. But the fortunate thing was we already had the technology. So while everybody was kind of scrambling for that, we, we were able to just transition into that. Yeah. The, the, the only real pivots were answering the phones. And then we added um, some shelving uh, units so people can pick yeah, up their stack tickets. it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long was it like that? Like when did you, when were you allowed to open your doors again? Gosh, I want to say we were on a shutdown for a f- at least a few months. Yeah, uh, I feel I think, like July. I think it was some somewhere around there where uh, you could. I think that's when it went to fifty percent capacity. I, I, uh-huh. I, I don't recall, but we were allowed to have some people in, but not you couldn't have it all open. So how did so. what? What was your staffing like during that time? Were you, were you able to keep some people? Like what happened with your team and your payroll and all of that? Yeah. So at the time, you know, I was there. Uh, Every single day, like you know, I was. Uh, it was still a br- kind of a newer business. Two years in, again, we were going to turn that corner, open up new locations. But I was there day in, day out. Yeah, and so I was part of the team uh, on the daily operations. But when we figured out that we were going to do the shutdown, and we were down so much in sales because now you don't have that in customer sales, uh, we laid off essentially our whole entire team. Wow. Yeah. So we were down, we had probably, it wasn't a huge team, but we probably had around 12 people on our staff at that point. And then we laid everyone off and we had maybe four of us. Okay. And so I was working seven days a week, open to close. We only adjusted our hours by maybe an hour. So it wasn't even that much. Like we, we kept our same hours and we were open on the weekends, all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, we were down to four, four employees. So let me ask about just, I'm going to kind of dig in just the financials real quick. So, you know, as far as, uh, you know, income and expenses, you know, and profit beforehand, and we, we don't need to go into specifics for your business, but I'm just curious, um, from a profit standpoint before and like during, was it a huge change? Because you, I mean... Going from twelve employees to whatever three, really three, because I was yeah, the fourth employee. Yeah. You know, is a, a it's probably your biggest expense, right? Is mm-hmm. your is your payroll? Um, so, of, from yeah. a profit standpoint, how what was that like? Well, because we had, um, you know, we laid everyone off. We only had essentially three employees because we had the technology. We were still getting sales in. Even though we were down 75%, we were still able to pay our payroll, pay our bills, yeah. pay our pay ourselves a small little amount. Uh, we w- What was sad was 
uh, we were just at the point where we we're going to start paying ourselves. And then yeah. so like actually really paying ourselves, <laughs> right. uh, which people don't realize everyone thinks, Oh, you open a business, so you're making money hand over fist. No, no. I, I've been in the negative for, for some time now. Yeah. So, and it's one of those things. So, um, but yeah, we were able to at least pay the bills and, yep. and keep ourselves going. Were there any challenges with like delivery and things like that? Was that whole? Yes. Uh, was, I mean, yeah. you know, everyone me, didn't know how to how to do anything for a minute. You know, like me, you couldn't buy toilet paper and play. You know, so like, yes. what was that like getting the product to your store? Was it was it were there challenges there? Like, what was that like? Well, here's again where we were fortunate. All right, so because we had already had everything in place in terms of technology. Uh, we were already ready to go, but just like um, laying off folks, so we had laid we basically laid folks off as soon as we figured out that the shutdown was happening. So we were ahead of it. So the great thing about that, in terms of laying our team off, we told them to go and get unemployment. We're gonna take care of it. We're gonna pay it. We're, that's what we do. You know, yep, that's what we it's pay. For. We, that's what it's for. Yep. Go get it now. So they were ahead of the line. Every single one of my team members got unemployment within days. Great. Where people had to wait in line and were waiting like weeks oh and God. weeks and weeks. Yeah. Right. So by the next week, they were already getting money. Same thing uh, when it came to um, oh gosh, what was your oh uh, your vendors? So and stuff. The, well, when it comes to um, uh, the technology portion of it. So because we already had the technology, we we're ahead of it. We didn't have to make any phone calls or add any or integrate our, our menus or right. all that stuff. So because everybody was in a fury of you know I need we need to get something going Uber Eats DoorDash whatever it was. Yeah. Again, the line you couldn't even call anybody right. because the lines were flooded. If there was a mistake with an order, we couldn't even get a hold of a customer service agent. Right. So that's how that impacted us in terms of the delivery systems. Got it. So we were off on our own island. Yeah. <laughs> and people would call us and we're like, hey, we're so sorry. We can do this, you know, just us together, but no one's answering the phones uh, <laughs> as far as Uber Eats or DoorDash or Grubhub. Yeah. So that's uh, how it was affected. It just everything shut down and everyone was in a fury of trying to get things done, whether it was, you know, getting unemployment or getting, you know, adding the technology portion to their businesses. Uh, you had to stand in line. Was there, it was, it was for months. Uh, it was really, really bad. Were there any issues with like your vendors? Well, as far as the vendors are concerned, uh, running out of stuff. I yeah. mean, it, and it's, we're still kind of in that, well, not kind of, we are in that situation where it, it, it goes through, kind of weird waves for for instance we couldn't get bags for a while because everybody was doing to goes sure and so that just the uptick into go bags and so it was a bit comical it's comical now it right. wasn't comical then but <laughs> but it's comical now yeah. to think about it but uh you know you'd come in and sometimes you'd have a small bag and sometimes you'd have this really <laughs> right. really large bag for two sandwiches right. and, you know and so and you know, people would be like, well, what's this all about? I'm like, that's all we could get, yeah. you know? So, I mean, that's, so yeah. So, uh, and we still go through that. Uh, right now there's a, there's an avian flu going on with Turkey. So sure. it's hard to get Turkey. It's, I mean, it, it's just one thing after another. Yeah. Uh, so yes, product is really hard to get and it still is. Well, looking back on that time, is there something that, I mean, what did you learn? Wow. That's a that's a deep question. <laughs> what did you learn? What did I learn? Um, well, I guess I learned that I, uh, I I think I learned that I think we're tougher like tougher as people than nice. we think. You yeah. know, um, I don't think everyone came out of it um, 
in a good way. Like some people, it really affected them. Some, it just made you strong. So I think what I learned was I was stronger than I thought I was. Um, You know, so it made you kind of just go. Yeah. I was sort of on autopilot at the time. Well, there's a survival instinct that kicks in. And that's basically what it is. I guess it was just survival. And I guess I learned that I was stronger than I thought I was. You know. How was the community support? Community support was great. Um, So we uh, were able to partner up with a lot of local businesses. So uh, like Earth, uh, we've hooked up with uh, the Still, uh, Paddles Up. I'm going to miss so many names, but different breweries. Mm -hmm. But we all basically... Uh, helped each other out during that whole time. We would reach out and see how you were doing or what can I do to promote you? And, you know, we added like a locals combo where we sold a sandwich and a earth beverage or, or or Idaho kombucha or whatever local beer, uh, still ice cream. Um, so we were just doing those kind of things to help each other out. And you'd laid the groundwork for that kind of stuff prior to, because when we first talked, mm-hmm. we talked about some of the things you were doing to really, you know, it's a great community down there, you yeah. know, where you're at. And, Absolutely downtown. and the last time we talked, you were like, we're doing special nights with other vendors and mm-hmm. things like that. And so like, it's been a really important part of really your model and yeah. who you are, you know, which is great. So, so you, you've had, it was interesting, you know, hearing you say all this, like all the foundational stuff that you had built before this hit that you were positioned really as good as you can without knowing what was coming. Right. So that's amazing. So, so I want to transition a little bit. You around this time or gosh, when did let's talk about crave. Okay. So you you went through crave, right? (laughs) I did. So crave was a, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we should be talking about this. Well, (laughs) we can uh, crave is a business that's launched at a very opportune time. If I remember correctly. And it was a, you know, it's a company that has a single location with uh, whatever, eight or nine different local restaurants that are inside there. And it's just like eight or nine kitchens. Essentially. It was 16 actually. 16. 16. Okay. Yep. 16 like kitchens and it was really order through the app and have mm-hmm. it delivered. So mm-hmm. it was, and, and it launched at right during this time or before or right it, around that it time. Was it was amazing. 2000, it actually was 2020. Yeah. Uh, was it 2020? I want to say it was in November of Somewhere, I think it was 2020. Yeah, the timing like. was ridiculous. Yeah, you know, no, it was, was 2020. Coming. Yeah. So, and then you were asked to partake mm-hmm. and you were like, yeah, let's take a run at this. So, so talk to me about like how that was kind of brought to you. Um, you, you did go in there and yep. you're not in there anymore. And nope. so it was something that you were willing to try. And so what was, uh, talk me through what, what that time was like. So prior to 2020, um, we had been approached by Crave Delivery. Um, so they, you know, they were a group from, uh, outside of, of Idaho. Mm-hmm. And so they came in, uh, and they were dining at our restaurant and they would come in quite frequently. And I got to, to know them and I would just wave and they would see me making my sandwiches and stuff. So they pulled me aside one day and said, hey, uh, we're with Crave Delivery, and let us tell you what Crave Delivery is all about. And so we feel like you have a great product, and it would do really well within our concept. So we talked about it, and uh, so it was all just talk. Yeah. And then 20, obviously, <laughs> the world shut down in March, right? right? And uh, so then they revisited us during the summer. I'm like, hey, man, I don't even know, like... You know, we don't even <laughs> we don't even know if we're going to stay open. <laughs> right. like, I don't even know if we can even do this. So they said, "Well, let's keep in touch and, and all that stuff." And by the time we got to the end of 2020, with the the previous moves that we had already had in place, uh, we were actually doing pretty well. Yeah. So we ended up because 
uh, of having all of our systems in place, we literally brought our whole entire team back by by May. Wow! So we had the whole entire team back. So it only the, our team was only gone for uh, a little less than it was about six weeks. That's amazing. Around roughly around six weeks, and we had the whole entire team back. And luckily, they, for us, they all came back. And yeah. Some folks decided, you know, just to take a break and you figure out life and you know how i mean yeah. it, it affected everybody differently but we were very fortunate our whole entire team came back uh, but anyhow so they because we were kind of it, it wasn't as bad as we thought at least for us uh we we said okay we'll we'll join crave and so it was that year the end of the year i think it was somewhere around october mm-hmm. and we we did the crave thing yeah so, <laughs> so what you said we up- thought it was going to be perfect because of the environment we right were correct and you were uh, so you send up a whatever people to prepare your food, right? You have a you had so a we space. ran we actually ran the kitchen ourselves. So yeah. it was a uh, three hundred fifty square feet, um, and we were on the app. And so the the whole idea was is you could order from any one of the kitchens as a family. So if you wanted pizza, and maybe your wife wanted uh, you know Thai food, and then your son or daughter wanted you know lemon tree, they can right. get it all. And yep. so they would order. From the different locations, uh, it would fire up in each uh, kitchen at a different time, so it, it would time it out, yep. and you would send it and put it on a. It was kind of a cool thing. You put it on a conveyor belt, and it would go, <laughs> and goes. they would package it up. They had their own drivers, and boom, it went to your house. Yeah. So, well, what was that experience like? How long were you there? We were there. Oh, God, we were there for a little over a year. All right. Yeah. We this this is the we left this year, so 2022. We okay. our last. Um, month there was i believe the end of january so february one we were out and is crave still there crave is still there and then so what i don't think they well they, they might have some local i do think they do still have some local folks but mostly it's uh, out of town so concerts. what uh what was the decision like where you're like you know what this has been this is a good try but I don't think it's for us. You know, what was that like? Well, it just wasn't working. Um, and, you know, my wife always jokes about it, too. It's like it, they were built for for the pandemic in terms of the delivery. But for whatever reason, it just didn't click. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, we were super busy downtown. Our sale, I mean, line out the door, uh, which is amazing. Thank you, by the way, Boise. Boise, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, for supporting. And uh, so line out the door and then you know, we would go to Crave and we'd have maybe a few tickets, you know, it was just, it was interesting to see how slow we were for, for lunch. We actually were doing breakfast there. Our breakfast was the best portion of our service Uh and lunch was nothing. And, you know, and so we try to do what we could uh, to survive. So we added um, dinner. So we started doing like tacos and, and, stuff like that right. burgers like, what can we try yeah right? and so we were, tr- we were trying everything we could uh, to at least survive within uh, that environment and it just we unfortunately couldn't survive well I can't speak to what they did from an advertising standpoint or who they were targeting or how word got out but I didn't see a lot you know from I don't know how they were advertising to get you know in front of everybody uh, were you doing anything internally like oh, yeah. to your current clients You're like hey don't forget we do we can deliver from here but yeah we had a, a whole separate website for that that location we would promote it do videos and yeah all the instagram stuff and facebook stuff and so we we would try the best we could to at least get people to know that we were there so Right. And it was sad though too because when we did leave, we did have people reach out to us like, "No, no. you know, I like this <laughs> and I like that." And it's, it's so it's interesting to 
when those when folks do come out and it's like well it's it's awesome that uh, you know you were supporting us but not, not yeah enough, not enough people were but you could also say we're still here yes we're and we did over there right yeah it's just not in the meridian area yeah, yeah. so now you opened a location also out past park center harris ranch is that was that your next one yeah so harris ranch so we obviously uh cut ties with with crave here at the beginning of the year so we had uh been approached during covid uh by the still Uh and the still had a space out there at harris ranch and it's a pretty big space and so it's a big space for what they do and they they felt like they needed somebody else in there so we had been talking to, during COVID, obviously partnering up, doing, you know, we were buying ice cream and selling it uh, through our our location. And uh, so they said, hey, we have this storage unit and, you know, what are your thoughts of, of joining us? We will literally like split all the expenses in half. And I said, well, I'll, you know, I'll go take a look. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were like, yeah, I think we can make this work. And we did. So uh, we were, you know, talking all of uh, 20, what was that? 2020, 2019? Yeah. Roughly mm-hmm. 2019, and then finally uh, 2020 or 2022. This year, we started building or uh, um, converting their storage unit into a kitchen. I believe it was somewhere in the December, January. So 19. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm getting all my days. Or 19. <laughs> it was it. It's 2022, isn't it? It is. So 19. Is it? 21 and 22 is when we were we started the the process so that december january and then we were open by uh the end of february so february 28th technically was okay. our open date and how's it gone it's going well good it's going well so yeah. the community's received us pretty well and it's a lot of growth um, growth out there a lot of growth and people have, have appreciated us being out there so and it's a great partnership with us still so you can get a sandwich and an ice cream all at the same time so good so, mm-hmm. same menu uh, yes, same menu. We actually just we don't have one sandwich that we have at downtown. It's a toasted fluffernutter. Oh, so that's the only one oh, we don't carry. But we carry every we do carry everything else down there. So, all right. So when you were running now, and then you opened Park Center, Park like, Center not that like not that long ago, the summer July yeah. of this year as well, and it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, and you're doing a little different, right? You've got brunch breakfast yes yeah, so yeah. so uh, being at crave we uh had an arsenal of menu items already so mm-hmm. we uh were doing breakfast there uh we were doing uh, again dinner items uh some uh hamburgers uh we were doing some tacos we we were doing those things uh at crave and so we already had some stuff already ready to go so when we uh, first started thinking about that park center location. Um, by the way, we, we kept walking by, we used to live right around the corner mm-hmm. uh, from the park center location. We had noticed that the space had been empty all through COVID. And so we ended up reaching out to the owners to find out what they were going to do with it. And so they said, yeah, we're walking away, whatever. But that location has a full kitchen and we never had a full kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if everyone knows this or not, but uh, you know, we do make every, all of our ingredients we make, but and they have all been made downtown, but we literally have like skillets and um, induction burners and uh, turbo chef oven. And it takes us double the time to, to prep. Yeah. So it was kind of cool to be able to go into a space that had a full right. hood system and all that stuff. How spoiled. You, and we do feel spoiled, as yeah. a matter of fact. So we were able to uh, open up our arsenal and bring some of that stuff that we were doing at Crave and create more of a cafe style instead of just a sandwich shop. Yeah. And so that's what we're doing now at the Park Center location. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, the brunch is 
getting even better. Like oh. you, I know you came in for brunch when we first opened, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we just did a, a new uh, menu, a fall menu, nice. fall winter menu, and it's pretty darn good. Oh. Your location is good. You're right next to another breakfast place, right? We are. We're next to the griddle and the refuge. So sandwiched right in between. Oh, my God. That's good. Do you get overflow, do you think? We do. We are right now um, because they're – obviously, everyone knows that the griddle's there. They they have a line out the door. I know. Every, almost seems like every day. Yeah. So we have been able to capture some of that where people are like, ah, let's go check this out. So that's been helping us as totally. well. And then now people – we're starting to get a, a following too. We're still semi-new, right, yeah. in that area. Um, so now we're starting to get a brunch following. All so right. people are coming out to check us out. All right. So I'm interested in, I think scaling businesses is, is very, very hard. And I think the process of doing it has to be very tactical. So I'm curious on what. Are you going to ask me if I know what I'm doing? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, some stuff I know. I'm going to pull it out of you right now. So like to go from one location to two, like what would you say to someone who has one location? Let's say I've got a location. Mm. All right. And I'm like, Jason, I'm thinking of opening another one. Like what advice would you give me to make sure that I got my stuff in place so that I can be running two locations instead of just one? So like, what would you tell me? Well, Matt, here's what I would recommend that you do, you know? Well, so you have to have all your ducks in a row. You, you, you have to have some sort of infrastructure of some sort. And what I mean by that is systems in, in place, right? Mm-hmm. You have to know oh, what's coming in and what's going out. You know, so inventory, yep. right? You need to know that. You need to know that you can trust your people. Because mm-hmm. as you grow, you know, uh, it, it's interesting as we've grown, uh, people are like, I don't see you at downtown anymore. Right. Like, where, where are you at? Right. You know? And so you, you have to be able to have people in place in your stead. Yep. And, and trust that they're going to give the same type of service. So that's the scary part. And so you have to find your people. Absolutely. You have to find your people. You have to create a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically it. Find, find systems that work. Know what's coming in and what's going out. You got to know your, your P&L, right? Your right. profit and loss. Yeah. And have good people. And so, um, but it's really training is another thing too. Uh, consistency. So you mm-hmm. have to have all of those ducks in a row before you even think about opening another location. And if you just open it willy-nilly and you don't have those processes then you're you're gonna you know you're gonna be chasing your tail yeah blind faith is a is a tough thing to be successful on right Mm -hmm. well i think initially you might be able to open something up with blind faith but you have to learn as you go and take those lessons and not you have to be humble enough to yes i think that's the biggest it's funny that just popped into my head i think that's probably one of the biggest things that anybody who owns a business needs to understand is you have to be humble at times. You're yeah. not going to know everything. Nope. You're going to mess up. I always, I tell my team all the time, I'm like, I mess up all the time. Yeah. Like I, mean, make, I, make, I make mistakes every single day, but the key to it is I learn from that mistake and I try to get better. And how long have you been in the restaurant industry? Uh, 30 years. Right. Okay. <laughs> 30 years. So, but, but you got to learn. You got to, yeah. you know, and you can't. And it cha- and changes. I mean, look at how much has changed over the past few years. Oh. And then even moving forward, things are going to continue to change. Well, and uh, our environment changes, right? It doesn't matter. I mean, we're, we're not in the same environment as we were in like the 80s or the 90s no. or, you know, everything changes. The yeah. People change. Expectations the Expectations change. change. Yeah. Uh, you know, exactly. So yeah. what people want from work now to work life balance, all right? That stuff. Expectations from your clientele and from mm-hmm. your team, mm-hmm. like those kind of can, can continually evolve. It's funny. Uh, something just popped in my head. We, 
So I've been uh, sitting down with uh, my team and trying to teach them how to run things and, uh, you know, uh, our culture. Yeah. Right? So we've been teaching our culture and, and how we, we go about things from our standpoint to run a business. And one of the things that, that uh, pops into mind is having a Shoshin mind. Shoshin is basically beginner's mind. Nice. And so that's how you really should think about everything and go in to each situation, not thinking you know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we have experiences and we do know a lot, but something comes up, you can't be so arrogant. We're like, nope, this is the way we're going to do it. You have to be able to be flexible and, and change with the times yeah. and, and all that stuff. So Shoshin mind. So how do you teach your culture? Culture, I'm really a big proponent of fostering you know a culture in your business that people want to come to that can have fun that can learn and that can grow like all of those things i think are important in in a work environment i don't mm-hmm. want people working here that feel stuck you know mm-hmm. i don't i want to people to come in here i want them to want to come here yeah. because they know that they're going to there's joy inv- involved in in what we're doing or the people that we're working yeah. with you know so what kind of things have you done to because you're the captain of the ship you know what kind of things have you done to to lead by example you know to to foster that well i think uh, the first thing uh, that i've had to do is work on myself you know uh, it, it's interesting t- uh, for me being uh, a manager and managing other people's businesses to managing my own business definitely and so i think i was i was really good at running other people's businesses and when i first started running my business i wasn't good at it yeah what's the difference and, would you say well i, I I wanted to be everyone's friend. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind of uh, bit me in, in the behind a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to have certain standards and you have to have a certain way that you do things and you have to hold everyone accountable to that. And so uh, I didn't do a very good job of that. That's hard. Yeah. And so yeah. we've kind of figured that out and uh, we've learned, or at least I should say I've learned from my mistakes in terms of that. And so we do have a culture now and, and a system of how we do things. Um, and a lot of it's reading, right? I, I noticed you've got a lot of books over here. It seems like you're, you're a reader, but yeah. it's really reading and, and uh, you know, bringing in philosophies and trying to mold that into how you go about business. Uh, so one of the uh, books that I read, and uh, it's funny, I, the way I teach people culture is reading a particular book. We nice. literally sit down and, and read a book called Fundamentals. It's by Jim Sullivan. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Heard of it, yeah. So we literally sit down with the management team and we will go over it and talk about as Shoshin, by the way, is in the, it's like literally in what I think the first chapter <laughs> it just popped up because I literally just started reading, uh, uh, this book again with the new crop of, of managers that we're, we're having go through this, but, uh, I've read the book a ton of times as you can, okay. but, uh, but that's basically, um, what we do. So, you know, sitting down, going over those philosophies, spending the time to sit down and talk to people, you know, uh, teaching them the financials, what it really means, mm-hmm. what every dollar, like wh- what we actually make out of every dollar. Good. So giving them all the tools uh, to be successful themselves and, and also um, giving them ownership. Because when you know exactly what what's coming in, what's coming out as somebody who's uh, in charge or manager, you feel like um, there's some ownership there. Yeah, I love all of that. I yeah. think that I think if they can understand, if your team can understand the why behind the decisions that you're making, yeah. it will make them uh, stand behind those decisions. You know, when when they have to. So when I think uh, when we first started, I wasn't very good at the whys either, and 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 
all reality, I was figuring out the whys. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Is this really important? I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know, like now it's, it's funny to, to talk about when people ask us, oh, well, who are you? You know, in the very beginning, we had an idea of, of who we were and we would say, oh, this is what we do, blah, blah, blah. And now we know who we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So people will ask me, I'm like, oh, this is what we do. We bring yeah. everyone to the table, you know, uh, you, you gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian, you know, meat, we, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So we know who we are now for sure. So what's it like running three locations now? Obviously, you know, instead of one. And I have a hunch that I know, like, I think you've probably kind of set up this answer pretty well based on some of the stuff that we just talked about. But, you know, what's it what's it like running three locations now? How different is it than, than running one? Do you find it, is it harder? Is it easier? Is it more satisfying? Like what's it when, when you take a step back, like, Oh my God, I have three locations right now. What does that feel like for you? And you know, what's, what's the workload? Is it different? Is it harder? Is it more fun? Like what's it, what's it like? Well, we're still kind of in the beginning stages, believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> of kind of figuring that out. Yeah. Um, and the, and if you think about it, it's it's right because we just opened two two new locations this year. I know. So it's a lot. It's a lot. So um, I would it's it's equally as tough to own one as it is three. <laughs> it yeah. just it is. Yeah. I mean, when you do the one, I mean, you're the one who's there all the time. You don't have as big of a staff, and um, I mean, you're literally doing everything. You're doing the payroll, insurance, uh, customer complaints, uh, refunds, um, cleaning everything, opening everything, prepping everything. You're doing every single minute detail when you're a sole when you have a sole location, and you're the person that's actually running the daily operations. As you get bigger, obviously, we have found people who have been able to work with us and. Uh, I got to got to throw this name out there, but Ali Klepier, uh, she is my right hand person. She's been with us. Gosh, she joined us six months after we opened, and Great. she's been my right hand person. I've been able to rely on her, teach her everything. So because I have her, she's made it easier to be able to manage running all three locations. So Great. you know that's uh, so it's equally as tough, but it's not as demanding in terms of every waking hour I have to be doing something yeah. like I would wake up at six in the morning and then I wouldn't finish until eight, nine o'clock at night, Ooh, you know, and do it all yeah. over again. Now at least I can stop at six o'clock. I mean, I might get a random call here and there, right. but it's not as bad of it's not, I can actually enjoy my evenings. Good. If that makes sense. So, so how, how hard was it to learn the skill of delegation? I've always been pretty good at that. Yeah, I bet you have. Yeah. <laughs> so I your well, experience as manager. Well, I had uh, really good teachers. You know, the Yard yeah. House and Roy's, uh, Roy, Roy Yamaguchi, I worked for Roy mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, they were they were all about teaching you how to delegate, especially uh, uh, the Yard House. They, they would, because you can't do it all on your own. No, and there's so, got to be a hierarchy. Well, not only that, but... Uh, <laughs> The restaurant business is very stressful. I mean, <laughs> I mean you're, you're, you're dealing with people who, who obviously are hungry, want an experience. And, right, that's true. And, and people could get really upset, yeah. you know, and so it's a, it's a, it's a tough business. So uh, that in itself, you have to learn how to delegate because with all of those pressures, you're going to crack. Yep. And so I've been pretty good about delegating. Initially, I didn't delegate as much because, quite frankly, we've already talked about this. 
I was learning how to really effectively run a business as well. Again, I knew how to do it for other people, but how do you do it for yourself? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I like um, the mantra, learn, do, teach. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so three simple words mm-hmm. where you're a reader, so you're learning and then you do it and try it and mm-hmm. figure it out and fine tune it. And then once you've got it figured out, then you can teach it away, Correct. which I really liked. And that's basically with Allie, Again, I did everything. Uh, yeah. And then probably, it was probably about year two, 2020, as a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah. where I started, you know, obviously I couldn't delegate everything once once everything shut down, but I was able to start to figure out our systems. We already had our systems in place. Uh, obviously, it was survival mode at that point. And then once every, the dust settled, then I was able to say, okay, this is what I do. This is, I need help here. So I was able to start delegating those things. Yeah. And so that's what we're doing now with our newer managers you know, with teaching them, again, having them read this Jim Sullivan book, you know, fundamentals and teaching them what, how it impacts our business. And it's interesting to, to start reading uh, this book with, with newer managers because a lot of them have already been hourly team members. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that's why we do this. Yeah. Or, oh, that makes I sense. I know. Isn't that interesting? That Where you've been, you've been in management for years, and I manage people for years. And I think after such a long time, a lot of this stuff is just second nature to us. Yeah. But for someone who hasn't, who are, or is just dipping their toe into management, it's a whole different, I don't know if it's a lifestyle or mindset or whatever, but there are certain things that I don't think are just you know innately understood yeah. if you're just all of a sudden, now you're a manager, you know, mm-hmm. and you can't expect them to know what that means. Well, and that's interesting you say that because I often times have to stop myself and think about those things. What I know now, I didn't know back then, you yeah. know, and so you have to be really patient and, yeah. and go, oh, they're like a little duckling. They yeah. don't know, you know, yeah. they're just kind of figuring out yeah, and they don't know you, how to jump into the water I, yet. And, yeah. How would you explain this to yeah. a 12 year old or something and like that's that? essentially and, what it is. And yeah. so you have to sort of take pause and and realize that they're they're learning so and that's that's the opportunity to teach them yeah and what i found is that period of time where you're doing the teaching like i choose to micromanage the hell out of my people in the beginning because Mm. i want to i want them to learn right Mm -hmm. and so every phone call and every transaction and everything is a learning experience and a teaching moment and every phone call everything is like you know it's okay to sit and monitor and watch and when it's done you know all right how do you think that went? You know, or mm-hmm. maybe next time try it this way, or maybe next time try it that, and then slowly build them up and do that for however long you need to. For me, it's whatever, you know, one to two months of that yep. in my business, and then you slowly can let the leash out. And my goal is to not have to manage my people at all. That's exactly you know, exactly. <laughs> it's just uh, I want to be out of the office for a whole day doing the stuff that I need to be doing, and and trust that the people in my office are taking care of the business. Well, that's the interesting thing now where we're at because that's the the crossroads I'm at. Right? Yeah, because I've got other things going on in terms of trying to uh, open up other locations. Now I have to rely that people are, excuse me, are going to be able to, to do what we've taught them to do effectively. Right. And so that does, it's, it's an interesting crossroads to be at. Yeah. Like you said, you've got things that you, you've got to go out and do. And same thing for me. Yeah. You know, well, what's next for you? Whoa, what isn't next oh, for us yeah. now? What? <laughs> just well, keep we, going. we, we, we are, so we do, we are, uh, in talks with opening up, uh, roughly two, maybe three locations next year. So wow. we're kind of knocking on wood a little bit or, uh, we'll see if that all happens. Um, but, uh, I don't think we want to do any more than that, but, uh, we're looking at garden city, uh, location out, uh, in Meridian, uh, and then, uh, just, uh, right outside of, uh, 
downtown they're off of 27th street so okay the state street area i know it's a lot but that's what we're working on now in terms of creating that infrastructure teaching people getting new managers so that when we open up new locations we're able to have a team that that uh, is ready to go and so getting back to that again it was just ali and myself initially um who uh, kind of created the the structure that we have now i mean i created it taught ali and now we we have a team behind us we we actually uh have i want to say about four four or five people that actually came uh from crave to us um kitchen folks yeah and so they're they're it's awesome to be able to have that arsenal now Mm -hmm. so it allows us to open up new locations kind of seamlessly because these guys are so good at what they do we're able to now teach other people and it doesn't have to be just me doing or ali doing it And, and again they're you know, I'm, I've got some culinary chops, but these guys surpass what, anything yeah. I can do. So they're just they're just amazing. Well, that says a lot if people are coming to you. Yeah, well, it that's, took a while. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it yeah. took a while. Like I said, it, you, you got to earn it, right? Well, and that's the thing. I, I, you're right. You have to earn it. And uh, again, in the very beginning, uh, it, I, I don't. I'm not as confident. <laughs> It, as like what kind of manager I was then <laughs> as I am now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm talking pretty bad about myself here, but no. it, is, it is what it is. No, you're being a little too humble, I think. Um, well, I've known you for a while now and like, I know you're, you're, you're very, very, very good at what you do. I mean, you come in f- with all this experience of uh, opening yard houses for a long time. And that's a, that's a big undertaking, you know. Your house is tough. Yeah, and it's so literally the toughest restaurant I've ever worked. You know for. what you learned there, and then what you learned prior to that, you know, really gave you the foundation to try it on your own. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. You have so many people that are like who are who are who have worked in management for a long time, right? And they're like. And some people just get disgruntled with ownership. They're like, oh, the owners don't know what they're doing. This is bull. Oh, yeah. They don't know what they're doing. I could do this. I could do this. I'm not even. And so a lot of people talk, you know, and they do that. And I don't, I'm sure that wasn't you, you know, but, you know, at some point you do have that thought. We're like, I wonder, mm-hmm. I wonder if I could do this on my own. And like, and you did it, you learned it. You got to the first wave which is your first shop which mm-hmm. like if you can get that thing running successfully then and then you took the jump and you tried something new with crave and it didn't work and that's okay it didn't sink you you know so the, i think the risk you took with crave was i mean it, it was obviously it was a low enough risk because mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't do any permanent damage you know to you guys and then you went right ahead and are making great connections with people in the community who want to partner with you yeah you know and you know you've really built a nice brand so far that is that is expanding and the people that work for you i'm sure they love you and they want to work for you and now you've got people coming who want to work for you so you're doing a lot of the things right and then the humility and patience that you have is evident and i mean well, not always but well <laughs> for what you put out. <laughs> I'm sure we all have our behind closed doors moments, you know, where, uh, I know I do. So well, no, I was going to say, we're not perfect. And, uh, I'm sure I've had some firing moments that the team could share with you, but yeah. So anyway, you're, you're doing awesome. I'm super proud of you. So oh, thank you. Um, I'm proud to be your agent and protect what you're working so hard to do. And, um, big fan of lemon tree and what you guys are doing. So looking forward to supporting you moving forward and, uh, just keep, 
keep up the good work, man. We'll we'll keep going. Yeah, we'll keep going. As long as everyone keeps coming, we'll keep going. Yeah, we'll keep keep making awesome food, and we'll keep showing up. Well, we will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason. Thanks for coming in. Well, thank you. I All appreciate right, it. Take care. Bye. Bye.